0: My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. Love is something everyone deserves. I love and am loved. I am not broken. I am not missing out on anything. And I'm certainly not alone. Lauren Jankowski. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so excited to have Lauren returning to take our first conversation we had last year on asexuality a bit further by discussing the powerful story she contributed to my book Embraceable. It's where that gorgeous quote came from, as well as ways to be an ace ally and why that matters and more. For those of you who aren't familiar, simply put, if you're asexual you essentially are not you don't experience sexual attraction but it's also a spectrum which is something that i've learned a lot about from lauren you could identify as aromantic asexual or as romantic you may occasionally have sex or masturbate you may never do either no matter what the specifics it's a sexual orientation that is just as embraceable and natural as any other So our wonderful guest today, to refresh your memory, Lauren Jankowski, is an author from Illinois who holds a B.A. in Women and Gender Studies from Beloit College. In 2015, she founded Asexual Artists, an awesome website that's on Tumblr and and WordPress. It's dedicated to highlighting the contributions of asexual identifying individuals to the arts she is an all-around badass activist feminist outspoken wonderful human and multi-published author whose voice i value so much thanks for joining me lauren Well, thank you for having me i'm not sure if i told you this before but you were the first person i approached to contribute to embraceable because i just feel that your voice and story are are so important, and I'm so grateful. So, first of all, thank you again for sharing with all of us. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was quite an experience. Yeah, and you know, it's a brave story. It. I know you had to go to a really vulnerable place. Would you share why you agreed to to express it?
1: Um. Well, uh, you asked, and I was I was very very impressed with. Uh, the interview that I gave to Girl Bona Radio, I was like, wow, she actually did her research ahead of time. Um, so I felt safe enough to contribute to an anthology. Um, and then I, I was, as I was writing the essay, I was thinking, I just, I, I need to go back to this place and remember it because I know there, are, there are fellow aces out there who are probably in very similar situations to what I was in and even though they might have more resources than i did they could uh they might still feel alone and and scared and i just I, it it broke my heart thinking about that and much like the much like asexual artists i just my my goal in life is to make sure nobody goes through that um or nobody finds themselves in a situation like i was in and, and i try to do whatever i can to prevent that and so it just seemed like um embraceable would be a great way to get the story out there, and also to show alos that, you know, asexuals don't exactly have it easy. There's like this this weird thing that non-asexual people they think that aces have it easy because we don't experience sexual attraction, and it's like no, we we kind of still experience discrimination and bad stuff, and there are still some pretty horrible, acephobic people out there. So yeah, that's basically my my whole thinking behind that is I just wanted people to know more about asexuality. And I wanted asexual people to realize that, you know, it's okay to be proud of who you are. It, you can be a total badass and be asexual. There are so many badass asexuals out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really think you do express that in your story. And one thing that really strikes me about your story is, it is, of all the stories in the book, and and really of many stories I've heard or read, it is one of the most love-filled stories that I know of. And some people may think that, well, wait a minute, somebody who's asexual, how could, how could their story and their life path be so love filled? So would you speak to, I know you shared in our first interview a little bit about the role that, that love plays in your life, but to that myth of, of this, cause you talk about that kind of hierarchical nature of, of love in our society.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the the major issues uh, with people accepting asexuality is this idea that love has to be ranked in order of importance. So the way our society has it uh, built up, it's uh, your kids at the top, then your romantic partner or spouse, then your family and then your friends and then everybody else. And when I was growing up, um, I was in an environment where it was weird to to tell your friends that you love them. And that struck me as kind of odd because I was like, well, I feel this, just as strongly about this person as I do about a family member. It, it's just, it, it's love. And, but yeah, I was raised to believe that love is only something between spouses or between family. And as I got older and uh, when I went to college and started studying intersectional theory, I would I became way more aware of how many like dating and um website ads I would see on TV and in magazines and, and just in all the media I consumed. And I was just like, Wow, there is really an industry built up on this idea that romantic love is the most important love ever. And you even see it in like countless narratives. It's like that romantic relationship always has to be the most important there always has to be like a romantic partner and it really it it bugged me and it it still bugs me that um people get so protective of this hierarchy which i i view i I see as very unhealthy um for example i i wrote for jim c Hines's blog and his anthology invisible too i i wrote about the first time i encountered an asexual character in fiction and on his blog one of the very first comments was somebody saying I feel so bad for you that you have to go through life as asexual I'm not saying you're broken but you are missing out on intimacy and my first response was how effing dare you assume that my life is any is any less than the next person's just because I don't feel the need to have a romantic relationship how dare you try and diminish the love i feel for for the for my friends and for my family i it just it bugs me but i see it everywhere and it's like it it, it's just it's it's odd to me that that people are so protective of this hierarchy and I, i i truthfully don't understand why but yeah it's like what's the what why why don't people see the the value and importance of platonic love it, it it's just as valuable just as valid as romantic love or sexual partners or sexual love or what have you <laughs> excuse me um but yeah i i see it everywhere and i it's like ingrained in our society and I, I think it, it does contribute to a lot of like unhealthy ideas about romance and sex as well
0: as to the invalidation of
1: asexuality.
0: Absolutely. And I think you're right. We can all learn from that. And it seems that it can be very toxic to all of us. As you were speaking, I was also, I was reminded of a talk I heard from this wonderful speaker on toxic masculinity recently. And he was talking about how, you know, boys, for example, are not kind of allowed to play with each other's hair or, or hold hands or you know give each other a hug and that kind oh, of yeah. thing and so i can see how this you know this message of of love not being a hierarchy could be helpful to to all communities mm mm-hmm. definitely definitely and in your story i love the you, you have many turning points along the way, and one of the most powerful happens, which is so appropriate, being the wonderful writer and book lover that you are, but you were in a library, and you saw the word asexual, and it started to click together, all these questions you'd had about yourself, and it seemed that that was kind of this aha epiphany moment. Could you speak to what that was like to actually have a term to associate with?
1: Uh, yeah, I was, um, for a while I, I thought I might be bisexual because I noticed that I felt the same for like everybody, but I didn't, but I still was missing like the romantic desire that like all my peers seem to have. So the next thing my mind jumped to was I'm sick, I'm dying. There's something wrong with me. I I might have a brain tumor. I'm probably dying because I do not experience what everybody around me does and that something's wrong with me. So, I started. Um, I I started having these really severe panic attacks. And um, when we were in health class and sex ed started, uh, the basic message was, you're all having sex, and it, or if you're not having sex, you want to have sex. So here's how to not die or get pregnant from it. Well. I did not want sex, and I was not sexually active, <laughs> Yeah. so it just kind of, you know, just reinforced the idea that there's, I'm going to die, there's something wrong, oh. and I wound up running to the library, and I, I typed in something like, symptoms that cause no sexual attraction, and the first link, thankfully, that popped up was something about asexuality, and I was like, w- what is that? And I clicked on the link, and as I'm reading, I started nodding, and my heart rate started coming down, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm probably not dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like this massive relief, this massive weight off my shoulder. Of course, it wasn't like the cure-all, because obviously I still have like a mound of shit to go through, but... um yeah, it was just like, it, it, it felt like a weight was lifted off my chest. Like there, like, just, I, I just felt so much relief and just like, oh, thank God, no. I'm not gonna die. And yeah, I was. It was yeah. a, a, a very good moment.
0: Even as you're sharing the story, I felt my body relax. Like it was such a it, that is such a powerful <laughs> thing to have, and and really to have somebody, something, some source saying you're okay. Like you're actually, you're legit. It's cool. <laughs> you know that is such yeah. a huge, huge thing. And I know that it took a while uh, to as you said, you were dealing with a lot of different things and there's a lot of complexities and it took you a while to sort of come out. And when you did, you know, you did so gradually. Would you speak to what that was like to, did you make a decision? Like, I I think it's time to to come out.
1: Well, I had basically isolated myself by high school. In fact, uh, I often joke with my brother. I was like, I was the student who, if I was out sick for a day, when I came back, people would be like, who's the new student? Because <laughs> I basically was so scared that people would find out there was something wrong with me that I made myself as small and as invisible as I possibly could. Um, unfortunately, this is not healthy. <laughs> this is not good for humans to do because we are naturally social creatures. So I was very, very lonely and I needed, you know, contact. Um, unfortunately, at at that time, um, I, because of asexuality, there was so little known about it, and there was so little information. I still had this idea that it was a mental disorder, and I thought nobody's gonna. No, I will never find anybody who will care about me. I'll never find anybody who will like me. So basically, anybody who showed me any kind of like kindness, whether it was false or not, I would just be like, we are friends now. And this led to a very, very toxic cycle, which to this day I'm amazed I survived. Um, I first came out to my mother, I believe. Uh, because I, I've always had a very good relationship with my mother. And she was just kind of like, Okay, good. That's that's great. Uh, I came out to my dad, my dad was cool with it. Was she really just um, like, yeah, that's cool? Yep, pretty much. Like my, wow, my that's mother awesome. is A saint. She is the most loving human being on the planet, and she's just like whatever makes you happy, whatever you know, whatever is good for you. I'm happy with. I'm I'm good with. I I love my mother so much. She's too good for this world. She's just a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, and then I kind of came out to people who I probably shouldn't have come out to. Um. I'm the only openly queer person in my family and on dad's side that has led to a lot of strife. Um, I don't spend the holidays at my house anymore because they, Dad's side of the family is scary and they do not like there being an openly queer person around, around kids because they are horrible, horrible people. Um, And I was also working with a writing mentor at the time, and he was probably one of the only other people outside the family who I I talked with, and I trusted him so much. And it was, at that time in my life, it was very hard to get my trust. So when I came out to him, I, you know, he he, he would always, he always said he was a feminist, he was pro-LGBTQIA rights, or pro-LGBT rights. Um, a very liberal man, uh, very, very kind in the beginning. And when I came out as asexual, um, one of the first things out of his mouth was to quote some obscure writer that one cannot be a writer until uh, unless they experience sex or an orgasm or something like that. Uh, and then it just got worse. It was just you're not going to be an artist if you're asexual. so you better pray you're not. Asexuality is a construct of patriarchal culture. You're just afraid of sex, you just have this, you just have that. And it really it was it it, it became it developed into a very emotionally abusive situation. And I, it, it just shoved me further and further back into the closet that I had just started coming out of. Oh. And it was, yeah, uh, it was just a, a terrible, terrible experience. And, yeah, in the end, he, he basically said, well, you're not worth my time, go away. Uh. And that just broke me. Oh. So I wound up going away to college and thankfully, I went to Beloit, and that was really what saved my life, because when I reached Beloit, I'm like, I'm going to be here a week, and then I'm going to drop out, because I'm like, I-, I can't deal with people. I don't want people near me. I just want to become a crazy cat lady and live somewhere in isolation. Um, and then I got to Beloit, and I found just the most amazing people, including a classics professor who just oh, my God, this man was just the most, the kindest person in the world. Um, And when I I actually managed to surround myself with accepting people, then I kind of burst out of my shell, tore down my walls, and I'm like, you know what, fuck it, I'm asexual and I fucking love myself, and Mm -hmm. if you can't take it, that's your
0: problem, not mine. Yes, I love it. I love it. And mm-hmm. I was so struck by the contrast between the person you came out to who was very vicious and cruel in response and then the person who, and and friends as well and family, but this opposite professor who was so welcoming. And something that stands out about that to me is just the difference that that can make in, in your own journey, how somebody responds and reacts. And because there's so little information still available or or really readily distributed about asexuality, it seems to me that a lot of people don't really know how to be a good ally or support person. So if somebody does come to you and says, you know, I think I'm asexual or I am asexual, what is a, a healthy, supportive response?
1: Um, that's a great question. First of all, don't question their identity. That's something that a lot of people surprisingly can't seem to wrap their minds around like um i saw a post i believe on tumblr a while back that i i just i love it it says when i tell you i'm asexual that's a statement not a debate mm, yes do not debate <laughs> me yes. do Yeah. do not debate me about my identity well said um yeah it, it's a great quote um i've had a number of people where it's just been like they like they're like well, how do you know you're asexual? I think you're just afraid of your sexuality. I think you're just afraid of sex. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, I, I really do not care about this conversation. You are invalidating, you're trying to invalidate my identity and you're basically disrespecting an entire community of people. Go away now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: exactly. And it's, It's just, it bugs me to no end. Um, I see this a lot in now that we're starting to see asexual characters where there has to be the debate before you, before the story continues on. And it, it drives me up a wall. I'm like, oh my God, it is 2016 people. We can, we can move past the does asexuality exist question. Just stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would, uh, another, uh, a great way to be an ally is, again, just the understanding, um, be there to listen to your friend. If you know of any resources, you know, of course, hand them over. Um, yeah, that, that, that would be my advice. Um,
0: and what about if somebody sorry, just- <laughs> has questions for you? So, for example, I know that whenever we're learning about, you know, because we all have different types of privilege, we've all been discriminated in, against in different ways, and say we're trying to be good ally to somebody, and we have questions. I know sometimes it can be overburdensome to always go to like, oh, I have this asexual friend, therefore there will be my my expert on asexuality. And some people, I imagine, are comfortable with that, and some people aren't. Uh, so any, any advice for, for that? Are you comfortable with people asking questions, or how do you know who to go to for, for these questions? questions that aren't cruel, that actually people want to know, you know, I really want to know what's happening.
1: Um, I was actually on a panel recently about allying and, um, and the question came up about, you know, tokenizing, um, And a good rule of thumb is before you ask your your friend, your ace friend a question, um, just do a little research. Um, Asexual artists, my site, read through that a bit. That, That has, like, the whole spectrum, so... And I I do do my best to tag things. So find out about, like, gray asexuality or demisexuality or um, aromantic asexuality. Just, yeah, just do some basic research. And then if you're having trouble with the terminology or the idea, then you go to your asexual friend and be like, hey, I'm reading up on this. Um, There's this this thing I'm struggling with. Uh, Would you mind... Uh, could you help me figure it out? That kind of thing.
0: I like that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, we have so much research available to us in ways to access information and and your sites are are awesome. You actually, you shared a little bit about asexual artists last time around, but would you remind folks kind of what it is and and what your mission is with it?
1: Uh, I actually recently wrote about it. it's a site that I originally started out of spite. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that makes me laugh because of uh, because that's how I started all of my stuff, too. And there's this great uh, Gloria Steinem quote that I'm going to screw up, but it's like, the truth will set you free, but it'll piss you off first. There's that, like, fire at the beginning. So I'm laughing because I relate.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, people underestimate how valuable spite is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really valuable, motivating thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, um, I I kept seeing these lists of books with great asexual rape representation, and would they would never include a single ace identifying author. And so I did what I usually do, and I flew off the handle on Tumblr, and I was just like, blah, 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 just angrily writing. And my best friend uh, commented on my post. She's like, why don't you make a list of asexual artists? I was like, Joe, i will do that. And so I sat down with a piece of paper and I got a pen and I, I went to write. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't know any asexual artists. Um, And then I thought back to when I was still in the closet and when I was surrounded by toxic people and, being told that if I were asexual I'd never be an artist and how that was really what broke me and what broke my spirit completely. And I thought there are aces out there that probably feel the exact same way and I just can't, that, that can't be, that, that no. Um, and so I started my site, uh, which identify, which, which I interview all different kinds of artists from all over the ace spectrum about their art. Um, and it's also partly in response to whenever I would see an interview with an artist, they were only allowed to either be an artist or they could, or they could be asexual. I never saw, like, asexual artists interviewed about their work. It was only like, what kind of strange creature are you? Blah, blah, blah and I was like you know that that really doesn't that that's Aloes writing for Aloes. that doesn't help anybody on the ace spectrum and it really doesn't help people who are interested in being allies either so i i thought of questions that i would love to be asked um as an ace and as an author and then i put out the call on tumblr and i was like okay oh maybe i'll get like 25 people who are interested and Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get like 50 or 75 followers and it'll just be a fun time. I'll, I'll, I'll put up a couple drawings by Ace Artists. I'll, I'll plug a couple books by them and yeah, it'll be great. Well, (laughs) months later, I am now, I've now done over 400 interviews. I have over 5,000 followers. I have new requests coming in like every day Mm. and it's just, it's, it's really amazing because I've, I've interviewed, yes, I've interviewed authors and I've interviewed visual artists, but I've also interviewed, um, a street artist and an olfactory artist and a chef and a couple and some dancers. And it's just like, there's so much creativity in the community and there's so much beauty being made by, by ace identifying individuals. And one thing that I'm really proud of is that I now have aces commissioning ace artists um my fifth book is coming out soon and i found my cover artist through asexual artists that's amazing and it's it yeah it's it's just so great because not only do you have non-aces who if they're interested in supporting um ace created work you also have aces supporting other aces and it's just it's it's a really wonderful way to connect and just be like, oh, I'm not alone. There are like over 400 other artists out there.
0: I love that. I love that. And with how many people who are involved, I know this is a, a rather big question, but I wonder if you could just give us a couple of examples, maybe two or three real quick of uh, some of the artists that you featured recently and maybe what they do so we can go check them out.
1: Um, OK. Um, well, uh, oof, God, that is a big question. Um, Joel Corna is, uh, an epic fantasy author and a fellow Tolkien nerd. And I just, I adore him and I adore his work and he just released a second book and everybody should go out and get it. Uh, Lissa Kiyavari, sorry, Lissa, I might be mispronouncing your name. Um, she just released her second book and that's another one everybody needs to run out and get, um, Darcy Little Badger and T Houston. Both near and dear to my heart. Um, they have Shining Ascension, which is a web comic, and T Houston also does soft sculptures. And when my dog Lucy passed away, I commissioned them to to do a soft sculpture of Lucy, and I'm actually looking at it right now. It sits on my printer. Aww. And so I'm like, they gave me my dog back. Aww.
0: Um
1: yeah, uh my cover artist is Alyssa Turkozi. Sorry, Alyssa, if I mispronounce your name um they she just does just the most gorgeous work she created a banner for me that i just i love so much um she can capture just beautiful beautiful moments um yeah lou boyer um mo um the, their visual artists who who should be checked oh what Le- leah mr she's an ace from new zealand who just does phenomenal work um yeah, there's, there's so much art and beauty out there. I mean, yeah. oh, oh my gosh.
0: And your site is like a gallery. I mean, it's it's a really nice place to go and just sit, pull up a chair and some tea and browse around. I mean, it's I, I love oh, yeah. that you ask these wonderful questions and you learn about the artists themselves. And then you also get introduced to their work, which is so fantastic. Um, before I let you go, is there, one message that you would really love for people to take away from, from your story and, and from your experiences that you share. So, so boldly.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> never be afraid. Always be proud of your asexuality and just be like, here I am world. Um, there are going to be people who try and uh, discourage you and it sucks um we live in a very sexualized society and a lot of people make generalizations about asexuality but you know what there are so many of us out there and we've all encountered similar not the same but you know similar messages and you know, it's okay to be afraid sometimes but just as the famous quote says speak even if your voice shakes um And just go out and just be proud of who you are and know that you are, you're loved. You are always going to be loved.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lauren. I just appreciate your time and your thoughts and your work so much. Oh, well, thank
1: you. I appreciate yours
0: as well. Such a fantastic guest. Definitely go check out both of her websites. You can find Asexual Artists on WordPress and on Tumblr. I will share a link also in the follow-up blog post, which you can find at augustmclaughlin.com. Next, we have a related question from a listener named Jenna for Dr. Megan, and it's a really poignant one. Jenna wrote this, I went through a traumatic event a few years ago and haven't felt any sexual attraction since. I'm starting to think I'm asexual. That thought makes me feel peaceful and relieved. So I guess my question is, can someone become asexual? And how do I know if I am, or if there's something wrong with me that I'm not sexually inclined from Jenna? Jenna, thank you for this very brave question. I'm so sorry that you had to endure trauma. No one should have to go through that. I loved that you said that you felt peaceful and relieved about asexuality, which says a lot to me personally. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say.
2: Jenna, I really appreciate this question because I think so many women and even men often find themselves um, wondering what's sort of happening with their sexual feelings um, and their sexual orientation. And uh, asexuality is a sexual or- sexual orientation that actually is about 1% sort of the population. And it's really characterized by a persistent lack of sexual attraction toward any gender. Um, But the part that's so striking to me in your question is that you haven't felt sexual attraction since a traumatic event. So it sounds like before that uh, you had felt it sort of intrinsically in your body pleasure and attraction, and I'm a jumping to the conclusion, positive sexual experiences. And so, you know, I often think that it's not uncommon that women who've experienced uh, a traumatic ex- event or who have uh, negative feelings toward uh, either the history of their body, or have had eating struggles, or either unwanted sexual tension or experiences. Sometimes the way that it translates in the body is the body knows how to keep you safe, and you know it sort of puts up a wall. We sort of call that you know coping, protection, defense. But you know this might be your way, your body's way of sort of keeping yourself safe. In fact, it says that you know the thought of being asexual, you feel peaceful and relieved. And I imagine it's because then. You you wouldn't have to sort of face the discomfort of what would happen if I sort of allowed my body to feel or experience. And I get that with a partner that could be feel really vulnerable and risky and scary. And I think that, you know, the first place to start is to notice whether or not you have any sexual thoughts or feelings or can explore that on your own, because you can absolutely pace and experience just to notice, you know, arousals, both mental and physical, so, uh, you know, is there a, thinking about previous experiences, you know, can you tap into a sense of what you enjoyed, felt good or pleasant about that? Um, and what happens when you just caress your body? Don't even focus on direct, uh, you know, clitoral stimulation or your breast, but just central touch. I mean, I believe that we're wired for connection, sort of from the cradle to the grave. And I also believe that we're wired to feel the right of pleasure in our bodies. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to asexuality, listen, there's no judgment. Um, you know, you feel what you feel and you don't feel what you don't feel. Um, and I think the question is, though, whether it's because sort of definitively this is a new phase of life or is sort of fear and anxiety perhaps running the show and it just feels safer to feel shut down and I really encourage you to sort of explore doing that work with a therapist or you know even a potentially uh, you know a friend or confidant because you know I was just recently reading um, the book Love Warrior and uh, Glennon Doyle Melton who has this very um, amazing blog called My Mastery. You know, she at one point in the book, even though she'd been married for over 10 years, wonders if if she's asexual Um, or she jokes maybe that there's a greater spiritual purpose. Perhaps she's beyond sex like Gandhi. And, you know, she's really vulnerable and courageous in this book and just, you know, discovers and um, sort of that journey of healing that she does in yoga, on the mat, uh, breathing with a therapist. And, you know... It's just the recognition that we're all on our own journey. Um, and I think you owe yourself this opportunity to figure out where does sex fit into your life? Um, another resource, though, would also be the invisible orientation. Um, uh, it's the... Book of Asexuality by Julie Sandra Decker. Um, Because again, I think it's really important that when and if you feel completely asexual that we take any shame out of it, that you recognize that you're not alone. And there's uh, a large, well, it's a minority, but it is a, a community. And so You know, in addition to therapy, exploring sexuality with others who sort of self identify as asexual might also give you clarity. I think that's the biggest thing we can do in life is face fear and just get really curious to know what really feels like our truth, truth in our body, truth in our mind, and ideally connecting the mind, body, and spirit in such a way that you figure out for yourself where sex does or doesn't fit. And like I said, it might just be something sort of exclusively for you um, and may not yet feel something you ever want to share with a partner. But I'm just encouraging you to not shut it down before doing a full exploration. As always, definitely want to hear how it goes.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she said about feeling what you feel, you know, and making sure that there's no shame and and staying open. I think the more we practice patience and self-compassion, the better always. This also brings up a really interesting additional point, which is a myth that's pretty common that asexuality is caused by sexual trauma. And it is not known to to be a cause or the cause. And actually, yes, a lot of people who are asexual have been sexually traumatized. But you know what? Sadly, a lot of people have been sexually traumatized. So it's not more prevalent in asexual folks than non-asexual folks. Jenna, I also wanted to add, in your note, you said you wanted to know if you were perhaps asexual or if there's something wrong with you. And there's one thing I do know, and I'm I'm not a therapist, but I don't need to be to tell you this. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. Whether you are asexual, whether you are not asexual, there is nothing wrong with you. When you go through trauma, it It can change us. It can. And healing is possible. And I think it's really easy to focus on when there's a sexual change uh, of any kind. It, it can be easy to focus on that and go, Oh, there's this this quote problem. like what what is this difference that I need to, quote, fix? But I think that what can be really helpful and what's been helpful in my own life and and so many people that i that I know and close to, when you take care of yourself and you find that healing and you do practice that self-compassion, everything else just clicks into place in, in whatever way that it that it should or will, you know? Um, I think that the answers become more evident. I can see why you're wondering if perhaps you're, but the fact that you feel peaceful about the idea of asexuality to me says, you know, maybe maybe that's where you're at and that's okay. And if it's not, then you'll know it at some point. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where sometimes it's so easy to want to have like this black and white answer and to know exactly, because then we think if we have that, then we know exactly what to do next. But really it's a, it's a moment at a time, it's a day at a time, it's a baby step at a time and everything you can do to take care of yourself and to really have... You know that personal growth and healing that you so so deeply deserve, and I sense is 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 there within you. I think that is what matters more than anything. So thank you so much for your question. You may also enjoy and find some um, help or inspiration from Lauren Fleming, who I interviewed not too long ago about forgiveness. And she talked about trauma. She's gone through a lot of trauma herself. And and we talked about kind of the changes that, that you may go through sexually and otherwise. So that might be interesting for you. But thank you again. Definitely you know, feel free to reach out again. All of you, if you have questions of any kind, feel free to contact Dr. Megan or myself. You can reach out to me directly at AugustMcLaughlin.com. Just hit the contact tab. It's anonymous. It comes straight to me. And I will fiercely protect your privacy. For for a lot more sexy goodness, including toys, educational workshops, all kinds of great stuff, check out thepleasurechest.com. They are total radness, having helped pioneer sex positive culture since the 1970s with a focus on education, enjoyment, and inclusivity. All orientations, all genders, they are fabulous. Seriously, I can't say enough good. You can find them by clicking the ad on my website or just head straight there, thepleasurechest.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe and iTunes if you haven't, and consider leaving a simple review while you're there. For extras and a whole lot more, make sure you check out my blog. One simple way to find it is to Google Girl Boner. For more from Dr. Megan, visit greatlifegreatsex.com and find us both on social media. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.